Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Roxanne Sanguinetti, the Head of Fixed Income and Investor Relations at GHCO. GHCO, formerly Goldenberg Heimeyer, is one of the fastest growing liquidity providers specializing in exchange traded funds. With a background in quant finance, Roxanne recently joined this entrepreneurial hedge fund at the crossroads between trading and technology. She loves their mission to make ETFs accessible to every type of investor worldwide. And today she's here to share her story and some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. Roxanne, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Happy to be here. So look, tell us a little bit more about GHCO, your role and what that entails. Sure. So let's start with GHCO itself. So like you mentioned, GHCO is a firm that's at the crossroad between trading and technology. We are what's called a market maker or liquidity provider. In practice, it means we make it easy for investors to transact in thousands of financial products on stock exchanges. Our specialty is ETFs, a product that is bought and sold like shares. So it enables anyone to trade and invest in their convictions without much hassle and at a very low cost. So for example, you could invest a couple of hundred dollars in, in let's say, Chinese tech firms or, or Brazil or the whole of the emerging markets. Nowadays, there's an ETF for pretty much anything. And my role at JCO is head of fixed income and investor relations. So I oversee the whole fixed income trading book, as well as fundraising goals for the business itself. Given that we're still a fairly small team, I lead multiple projects across the firm. So for me, it's a chance to shape the growth strategy of the business. Wow, that sounds like there's a hell of a lot that you cover. And it probably <laughs> kind of answers my next question as well. Because I wanted to ask, what drew you to GHCO? So apart from this huge opportunity for you and your career, what else attracted you to the business? Two things, the, the mission and the ambition of the team, I think. So a few years ago, I worked at Bank of America Merrill Lynch with both of the managing partners and both incredibly smart people. And when they called me, they had just taken over the company end of 2019. And they said, here's the project. We're reshaping the whole business and there is everything to build. Do you want to get involved? So from that point of view, I got really excited about boarding on a new entrepreneurial journey. But beyond that, there is a mission that I truly believe in. Our work makes financial markets more accessible and transparent to a wider population. 
if you think about it, it's, it's the first time ever in history that we can all access such a varied range of investment opportunities just at the touch of a button. For, for example, a few years ago, it was completely unthinkable for people like, like you and I to buy bonds. For example, you would have needed a great relationship with a big bank and a loaded wallet of a few millions. But now you can invest in bonds via ETFs and starting with just a few dollars. So ETFs are really an incredible tool to democratize access to investing. And on top of that, my, my personal mission is really to inspire more women to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, I'm, I'm so inspired by your story. I think that it's just wonderful the way that you explain it, democratizing access to investment, because you're so right. You know, it was only a few years ago that none of this would, would myself or yourself be able to have access to, um, plus the, the billions of people worldwide. And it's brilliant, the work that you're doing to change that. I, I wanted to ask you a bit more about that career journey, because I am super, super excited about how you were hired into GHCO. I love the fact that they approached you and you know, co-created what that opportunity was going to be for you. Take us back to your beginning and, and, and maybe some of the lessons along the way. Yeah, sure. So I studied finance and international business. So I already knew that this was going to be my path one way or another. And I started my career at Bank of America Merrill Lynch in trading. It was a very formative experience. I very quickly got put in charge of trading a few billions of dollars a year, a lot of responsibilities. But for me, it was incredible to be in such a fast-paced environment and really, when you're in trading, you're at the center of the news flow. However, after a couple of years, I started growing frustrated of the pace at which new technology was implemented in the business. I was reading a lot about innovation in finance in general, and I wasn't seeing it in my daily job. So I made the move to a fintech startup. It had just started when I joined, so I was one of the first employees. We were building a platform to connect investors with private companies when they were looking to fundraise. There was a lot of innovation that was happening in the public side of financial markets, but not so much in private markets, which remains very fragmented. And to give you an example, deals are still done in a very old school way. They're just sharing PowerPoints and spreadsheets pretty much. So I spent a few years at, at this fintech leading some of the product and business development. And then that's end of 2019 that Stefan, our, our current head of trading, reached out and said, do you want to join this new phase? So that's how I grew into it. In terms of some of the lessons learned on the way, from my time at, at the bank, I think I learned the importance of networking within the company. When you just start in your career, it's easy to get boxed into your role and, and to have that, that tunnel vision that you're, you're solely focusing on getting better at this role. But I really believe that when you're meeting over teams around you, and if you start mapping the organization, it can be of great help. You learn a lot more and it gives you access to these next steps that you're going to take in your career. So I think don't be afraid to ask questions around you. People are generally open to, to helping and it feels very rewarding for them to pass on their knowledge. But on your side, you really need to be a sponge. You absorb all that knowledge and that experience. From the time in the startup, it really opened me up to a whole world of new possibilities. I spent a lot of time around founders with 
innovative ideas and with early stage investors. And I started enjoy investing myself. Yeah, fantastic. I think that's such a great bit of advice for everybody listening about not boxing themselves into one role and becoming tunnel visions because that is something that I definitely did at the beginning of my career because I wanted to learn that particular area and get good at that area when actually I think you're so right. If we can network more, we can learn about the wider business. It gives us much more opportunities and options later on. And um, the way you said that was perfect, access to next steps in your career. That's absolutely true, especially with what I think is going to happen in the fintech space over the next five, 10 years. I think there's going to be so many opportunities for people to pivot within their careers. And I really want to encourage people to take that up. So that's a great bit of advice. So just before we go into the angel investing, because I definitely want to ask you more about that. What would you say are the main differences you saw in the culture and environment from the larger organization then going into the smaller one? Sure. So my experience in, in this smaller organization was a, a really small startup from the start. So especially when you're part of the funding team, there's everything to do. You really need to be a self-starter. You need to take responsibility for projects, even when you feel that you don't have the skill set. So you go and you train on your own uh, and you get things done. You can very quickly see the results of your actions on the business. And sometimes you make mistakes and that's okay. That's, that's how we learn. The key thing is to react quickly. On another side, it can be a bit difficult to balance work and personal life. It always feels like there is something more that you can work on when you're in a startup. So it's important to set boundaries. I mean, in general, in, in finance, we, we typically find it very difficult to set these boundaries, even in a big bank. Uh, I think the difference that I could see in the bank was that you go on holidays, you go away, you're ill, someone will pick up from you. There is always a backup and you're more part in that very, very big machine. When you're in a startup or, or a very small team, there might not always be someone to pick up the slack. And so it's a lot more maturing and it brings on a lot, its own set of responsibilities, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. And I think, you know, with those responsibilities, it's opportunity to learn. It's opportunity for you to grow as an individual. It all sounds really challenging, but exciting. So I wanted to go into a bit more detail on was this decision that you made to address the gender imbalance in the industry by angel investing. Now, I think this is such an important thing for us to cover because you mentioned before how important inclusion is for you and um, within, within your career and within the environment that you work in. And I think there's lots of people and there's lots of businesses out there that they understand the importance of inclusion and they want to do things to, to help drive inclusion for the industry, but they're not sure what they can do. So I'd love for you just to share your decision to, to get, get involved in angel investing. There are a couple of things that, that kick-started this decision, I think. First, I was spending a lot of time around founders in my previous role. I was reviewing their fundraising decks in order to connect them with investors. And after a few months of doing that, I started naturally advising some, some founders on how to improve their fundraising. And I found that female founders were receiving less support than their male counterparts. And in parallel, I was spending time with VCs and early stage investors, and I started reading about these horrible stats. So there's 
less than 2% of VC funding that goes to teams with a female founder, which is outrageous when you think about it. And unfortunately, it looks like it's gotten worse during the pandemic. So I got eager to see more of these female founders succeed. And end of 2019, Alma Angels was created. It's a group of angel investors that only look at teams that have at least one female founder. I was keen to learn from others, and I was lucky to be invited to join the group as it had just started. I think amazing things happen when you put more money in the hands of women. So industries that didn't exist or that were completely overlooked are now flourishing. For example, I'm thinking of female health that has been completely underserved for centuries. And that's crazy. Half of the population has been underserved. And now we're seeing innovation for all stages of life. So in, in menstrual products, in menopause, in, even in, in sex tech. And I have now myself invested as well in a few companies. And amongst which there is Hanks, which does amazing products for, for sexual health. I think it's a role that we can all take. And it's also important to understand that angel investing is not so scary. You can start with as little as a, a few thousand pounds. You know, I, some of my investments have been as low as 2,000 pounds because I'm investing as part of a group. So we obviously bring a lot more money to the companies, but myself, I invest as much as I can. What's important is also to, to realize that you can bring so much experience to these startups. They're small teams. Um, they don't necessarily have a view on all the skills that they need for the business. So whatever you can bring to the table, you know, it could be your experience in your field, you know, in whatever marketing, commercial, or in my case, it, it's helping on the fundraising usually. Or also if you can connect them with customers or with other investors, anything that can bring them support, they will really appreciate. So if we make a conscious decision to invest more of our capital into female founders, you'll see a lot more growth and you'll see incredible things happen, in my opinion. So please, you shared that with us. And the fact that you've just said, you know, you can start with as little as £2,000 investment because you're investing as a group. I think there are so many people that would like to get involved in investing, but they think, oh, maybe I can't do that. Maybe I don't have the knowledge. Maybe don't, I don't have enough of the money. When actually, if all of us are happy to do a little bit, then together, collectively, we can really make the changes happen because... When I go and talk to different businesses about what we can do to make teams more inclusive, how we can truly be genuinely more diverse and support that diversity by building equitable mm -hmm. environments, there is always one problem that we just, we hit, we hit a blocker. And I mean, there's lots of problems, of course, but the big blocker that we hit is this problem with, the, with funding. And you're totally. absolutely right, that horrendous 2%. Is it's got worse throughout the pandemic, you know, where companies are talking about better maternity and paternity packages or, or finally starting to address their gender pay gap. We are definitely not doing enough across those things, but at least we're doing something. Over here on the investment side, it's getting worse. And this is such a big, big piece that we all need to be involved in. So I'm so pleased that you've shared that with us because yes, even totally. me sitting here, I'm now thinking, well, okay, when I next have the opportunity. Well, you could start. 
I should start. Yeah, 100%. I should put my money where my mouth is, as should everybody else listening, if they can. Yeah, if anyone listening would like to reach out and, and hear more about this, I'm, I'm very happy to answer any questions. That is so good of you. Thank you. And I really do encourage people to reach out because if you're listening, I know that people want to make the change. And this is a brilliant action for change. And I always say, how do we walk the talk for change? This would be walking the talk. Like, let's affect this. And, and the crazy thing about it is that investors worldwide want to make a profit business people want their businesses to be successful there are stats upon stats that show you have a female point of view within your board within your founding team you are going to have more more successful returns better revenue generating better profit shares and we've got to make sure that we are really showcasing this i think it's brilliant the female health that you've just spoken through because that is a i wouldn't say an untapped market but an undertapped market that now mm -hmm. we're seeing lots more opportunity in and the people that are investing in that are make are turning profits they're making money they're revenue generating and completely that's what, completely you know like like that's like black and white that those are the facts so it, it is it's a huge underserved opportunity that we've got to really highlight. So I love the fact that you highlighted that. And it kind of takes me on to my, my last question, which I always like to ask people that come onto this Women of Fintech podcast. And that is, what is your call to action with regards to what more we should be doing for workplace inclusion? Having been one of the few women on the trading floor, I think I learned firsthand how important it is to bring more inclusivity uh, I am lucky that in my current team, knowledge primes over gender anytime. I think part of it is because we are so a little bit of a geeky team, you know, so and we are on the younger side. But in my opinion, the search for women to fill roles need to be more proactive. So we can't just sit and wait for women to send their resumes. We have to go and, and meet them. We have to ask recruiters to send more diverse CVs. I mean, they are women in finance, they are women in engineering and in tech. And I think yourself, you're doing a lot of work around this. The problem isn't that they are not there. The problem is that we are not doing enough to, to go and meet them, in my opinion. And that's also a mission that I deeply believe in. And I actually invested in a business called 15 Tech that aims to bring the portion of women in tech roles to 50-50 in terms of gender balance. They're based in France, but they've expanded across Europe already. And I'm really pleased with, with their progress so far and to see where, where this is going. And I think 50 in Tech need to come onto the Women of FinTech podcast series to tell us all about <laughs> what they're doing. Because I'm, I'm super excited I can excited definitely make that, that introduction. Yes, please. Like, I just think that like, everything you've told me about that and, and the fact that they're expanding from France is exactly what we, what we need to be partnering with as an industry to make sure that we are driving the real actions for change. And, and I, I really, I couldn't support what you say more. You know, I absolutely love what you're saying about us being more proactive with, uh, with different talent and attracting that different talent. And, you know, I think that we do need to be proactive. That's a huge thing that I'm very passionate about. And my very own 17% list 
is about drawing more visibility to the 17% of the UK tech scene, which are the women. And we've got to drive that 17% higher. And I absolutely support everything that you've said today. I love the angel investing. I think that you've really opened our eyes to how we can all get involved in that. I love the fact that, you know, your mission is about democratizing access to investment, how you've broadened that by investing yourself and supporting businesses like 50 in tech. And it's been just super inspirational to hear your personal story and everything that you've achieved in your career so far. And I really look forward to seeing what you do next. So Roxanne, thank you so much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series. Well, thanks for inviting me, Nadia. It was great.